Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From between the hedges at Sanford Stadium to the practice fields, from Stegman Coliseum and wherever else the Bulldogs are playing, it's time to talk Georgia sports. From the Athens Banner Herald, here are your hosts, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. Hey, how's it going? We are back. It's the Bulldogs Extra Podcast. Mark and Ryan here. We will talk to Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, Bruhaha, and uh, name, image, and likeness with someone uh, involved in that space at Georgia. Familiar Georgia Bulldog uh, great Aaron Murray, former Bulldog quarterback, will be with us. We'll also talk SEC scheduling. We'll talk postseason as Georgia baseball, softball, women's golf have uh, all gone through or you know will go through uh, postseason. And uh, the changes going on facility-wise at Georgia with Sanford Stadium and some others down down the uh, pike. Ryan, we didn't podcast last week because you were on the road crew for Dave Matthews Band. Where did you get that second job, and uh, what kind of perks do you get for being a roadie with the Dave Matthews Band? Yeah, I've, I've, I've contemplated that. Would that be a perk, you know, every night? I, I, you might get sick of it after a while, but... Now, last, uh, last what, Wednesday, a week ago from today, I felt like a road eagle. We were right up front and center on the rail and uh, enjoyed a great show. What, what, what town were you in? Yeah, we were in Huntsville, Alabama, space uh, what, space capital or whatever they call it. You know, their, their bus system, their transit system was called Orbit. I thought that was pretty clever. Isn't there a chewing gum named Orbit? Yeah, yeah. Wasn't there a, a, a drink for a while? It was like a sparkling... Uh, sparkling water that was in orbit or something so going to one dmb show was not enough for ryan he even went to a second one where was that one ryan that was atlanta so a little closer to home and uh which was better well i think the one that i was up close because uh let's just say i remember more of that one if you get my drift here uh the one on saturday got a little out of hand but uh we do have two more to go this summer we have both in new york state so uh That'll be that'll be fun. Those uh, those will be some uh, pretty cool shows. All right, we'll be testing for any kind of substances after the show. See if Ryan is uh, can pass our test. <laughs> R- alcohol only. Ryan, who do you like in a uh, Nick Saban Jimbo Fisher boxing match? You know, uh, I mean, if it was if it was boxing, I might go Jimbo. But uh, straight up head to head in football, I'm gonna take Nick Saban every time. And uh, not that I agree with him in this whole ordeal or either one of them, to be quite honest with you, but. I think uh, Jimbo a little bit younger, maybe uh, maybe a little stronger than uh, than Saban. But I mean, since we're just talking metaphors and whatnot here, I mean, I I think uh, you know Nick uh, he could probably swing, hold his own. What do you think? Um, I'm gonna take Jimbo. I, I think uh, you know Nick is seventy. Yep, exactly. Um, but let's let's get to the the meat of the uh, the matter. Uh, Nick Saban accused Jimbo Fisher in Texas A&M of. Uh, pretty much paying for their signing class. Uh, here's what he said. This was at a uh, 
a meeting or, or a uh, speaking appearance before, I guess, business leaders in Alabama. He yeah, said, did he think this wasn't going to leak out? I mean, what was he? <laughs> no, I mean, people who were reporters were there. They were videoing it. I know. It wouldn't matter that. Uh, he said, you read about it. You know who they are. We were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. We didn't buy one player. But I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. It's tough. All righty. Now, we're, we're, can you add the violin music? Because I, I, I think, uh, you know, we, we feel sorry for uh, Alabama. They have a yeah. hard time, uh, you know. Winning national championships uh, in, since 2000 or t- uh, 2020. Yeah. They have a hard time recruiting well. And, um, no, I mean, it's a, it's a different game now with, uh, with NIL involved. And uh, Jimbo Fisher did not take kindly to uh, that name calling. Um, shot back. The next day, he said that Nick Saban isn't the god he's made out to be, that reporters need to look into what he does, and that he, he called him a narcissist. Oof. Uh, quote from uh, Nick, uh, from Jimbo Fisher, it's despicable. I can't really speak as fast as, as Jimbo does. He speaks, he speaks very fast. <laughs> it's despicable that a reputable head coach can come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen. It's ridiculous when he's not on top. And the parody in college football he's been talking about, go talk to coaches who have coached for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into whatever he's been, wherever yep. he's been. I agree with that. I mean, uh, you know, there's some, uh, what they call skeletons in the old closet of uh, Nick Saban. And uh, I'm sure a lot of top programs uh, have done things in the past uh, that are right there on the borderline or probably even a little past that. So it it did seem odd to me that this was, you know, what Nick Saban uh, chose to to go after, because I'm sure I'm sure there are some things that could be dug up on him. And I'm sure Jimbo and Kirby and everybody else knows exactly what those things are, and I bet they know that they don't want people coming after what they've done either. Ryan, according to the Mayo Clinic, uh, narcissistic (laughs) personality disorder is a mental condition in which people have an inflated sense of their own importance, a deep need for excessive attention and admiration, troubled relationships, and a lack of empathy for others. But I think that pretty much describes most coaches, don't you? Yeah, that's pretty much uh, the qualification to be a, a successful head coach in the SEC. All right, well, there should be plenty of NIL talk as well as um, uh, talk about what the SEC is going to look like uh, in football scheduling and, you know, getting rid of divisions eventually. And uh, next week at the uh, SEC Media Days in uh, lovely Destin, Florida, we're going to also talk about those topics, or at least NIL, with uh, Aaron Murray, as we mentioned. Um, Ryan, do you think uh, Arch Manning will make his decision based on NIL uh, money? No, we talked about this in a previous podcast, right? It's not going to come down to that for the for the Manning clan. I don't think uh, they're going to be too swayed by what uh, NIL offers are out there for, for Arch. But uh, it does seem that, you know, everything I keep seeing between the tea leaves and all that stuff is that it's come down to maybe Texas and the University of Georgia. So it'll be interesting to watch. And uh, I think they just want to go to whatever the best fit might be and if there's a uh, national championship possibility. Georgia's getting Arch Manning on an official visit. I believe it's early June. And as you mentioned, it could be down to Georgia, Texas, after four-star quarterback Eli Holstein. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his last name, but he committed to Alabama yesterday. Um, Arch Manning, is he, uh, if he commits to Georgia, uh, do we already talk about this, uh, whether he's the starting quarterback 2023? I think we did talk about that last time. I don't know if we brought that up, but we did talk about how, you know, I mean – you, you know, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of five star quarterbacks here. Not all of them have played, and they've gone all in other places. And there's one on the roster right now that hadn't really played much. So uh, there's a logjam, and always has been under Kirby. 
Matthew Stafford was a five-star quarterback, and he turned out really good. Didn't didn't lead Georgia any championships. Uh, maybe a Capital One champion, Capital One Bowl. I don't know. Um, well, uh, there's some debate to be had about the uh, BCS selection that year. That, that you know he had had a pretty good year in Georgia. Might should have been a national championship, but you know we won't. We won't. Who are the other five stars that come to mind? Jacob Eason. Uh, they had a, a five-star transfer, JT Daniels. Yep. Jake, Jake Fromm was a four-star uh, by the consensus. Well, Fields, obviously. Justin think, uh, Fields came in, never started a game at Georgia, back up for one year for Jake Fromm. On the punt team. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, anyone else we're forgetting? Is this since Kirby, or are we talking about, uh, you know? Was Quincy Carter a five-star? Well, I don't know, because he had that whole coming Eric, back Eric, from Eric Zyra a five-star? That was pre-star days. I bet he was. I bet, bet he would have been. I mean, it wasn't pre-star days. They had, they still had. Uh, they didn't. They, they had no, uh, they no. had the old school uh, like books that they put out, and yeah. you could call up some phone number, and they would tell you who. I don't know how what it was. Whatever. We do know that Kirby has brought in at least what four now, and and, and maybe uh, maybe a fifth with uh, Brock Vandegrift. So you got Brock. You got uh, Easton was technically a Kirby, uh, right? Because he he went out to. Washington and, and made sure that he came this way. Ryan, I don't know if you heard this, but Texas, Oklahoma joining the SEC. Uh, at least, or at the latest 2025, they will be playing football games, other games. Uh, then the SEC East uh, probably going away once they come in. Are you good with that? It's going to be odd. I don't know that I'm, I'm good with that. Of course, uh, I mean, there's talks of what, SEC tournaments uh, now and, and their own little playoffs, and who knows what's going to happen. I, you know, I'm, I do like the old school style of the East and the West and uh, how that's kind of, you know, separated like that. And, you know, we, your winner of the East plays the winner of the West. And uh, I don't know, it just seems, uh, seems traditional. But as we know, tradition has gone by the wayside in college football in the past. 15, 20 years or so. Look, I'm not going to miss Georgia um, if they don't play Vanderbilt, if they don't play Kentucky every year. Um, Kirby Smart might miss that. I mean, even if they didn't play South Carolina every I year. Say, I think Kentucky, uh, that, that's, that shouldn't be the level of uh, team you talk about now. It should be more like a South Carolina that Georgia, you know, you don't want to see Georgia play anymore. Um, you mentioned the SEC only playoff with with 16 teams, which was uh, who was that? Was it Ross Dellinger? Maybe from SI wrote about it. Um, no, maybe it wasn't him. I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was uh, uh, ESPN's Pete Thamel. Um, in any event, uh, you know, just just a, a possibility that that is uh, one of many scenarios that uh, they're looking at with kind of a clean slate for scheduling. Uh, you know, once those teams join the SEC. Um, I, I'm not crazy about that idea. Um, I mean, I do think that you can make a great claim that the best team in college football is the team that wins that playoff if they had one. But, I mean, yeah, and then what are you going to do? Let the voters decide whether Clemson or Ohio State or, you know, once uh, Southern Cal gets cranked up with, uh, you know, the, the old Oklahoma coach. Yeah, I didn't read into detail, but it, w- it wouldn't be like a postseason Playoff, and then the winner of that is the, is the SEC representative. No, no, I realize that. I realize no, no, no. That's why I'm asking. I'm I'm not clear on it. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there is a scenario where they would play the winner of another Oof. type of thing. But I mean, that seems have, like too they, much. they would have to agree that's, to that. That's one of those things that's not good for the student athlete, if you ask me. Because what are you talking about? Seventeen games now, eighteen games before these kids can go off and, and get, get paid. I guess that's that's by the wayside now. But you know, get paid uh, professionally in the NFL. 
So if the FCC goes to three permanent opponents uh, on your schedule, Georgia, obviously, Florida would be uh, a number one. Auburn would also be uh, a high priority for Georgia with its rivalry. And then you have, you know, do you have South Carolina or do you have Tennessee? Tennessee also has rivals. Um, Alabama. Florida. You know, th- that is if, if that's the scenario that goes. I mean, if it came down to South Carolina, Tennessee, are you feeling strong about one of the yeah, other? Yeah, Tennessee. Uh, that, that to me was the, was the rivalry uh, of the 90s and, and I guess early 2000s now. It might have gone by the wayside a little bit as well. But uh, to me, Tennessee, Florida, Auburn are the three that Georgia should play every year. We'll see how that plays out. Um, I, don't, I don't know what Georgia would, would, would want. Um, uh, Ryan, I mentioned some Sanford Stadium improvements that are coming. Uh, this came out of a uh, finance no, I'm sorry, a facilities uh, and development committee meeting last week. I mean, we knew what they were doing. There's a price tag now. I, I don't have it in front of me. It was like $68 million or something. Um, it's uh, improving the concourse, the concession stands, bathrooms, having more of them. This was on the south side, I believe. Uh, moving the press box where Ryan just loves to show up and take beautiful f- photos for his uh, social media accounts. Yep, and yep, yep. Likes to do a lot of selfies where he, he puts himself uh, in the photo and then like he's like, look, we, look down there is James Cook and I'm the guy. <laughs> yeah, we will no longer be at the 50-yard line. We, we'll be on the us. corner where, where it's kind of like where we are when we go to Auburn, when we go to uh, the SEC championship game at Mercedes. Uh, I don't know what other places have it like that. Uh, I don't, everyone's moving that, like that. So. And, you know, I didn't mind the one at Auburn. Everybody talked bad about it and the location and all, but I thought it was a, a unique perspective. Now, the thing was that uh, – you know, the radio crew of Scott Howard, Eric Zire, and all those guys were – that's an odd angle for those guys. Now, I don't know, Georgia. I can't remember. I feel like they might still stay there. Yeah, that, they should. Maybe, maybe they'd stay up there. I, I don't know. Um, but that was, that was, uh, that was uh, to me, not right that, that they should have to call a game from uh, from that angle. I, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I I thought it was unique. And, uh, you know, you could see a different side than we normally see. Just, just give us a good monitor that we can, like, watch the game on TV, you know, so we can – We should just stay home. The times when, when – uh, like, it reminds me we were at the Orange Bowl, which obviously are we complaining that we got in to see, you know, a, a national semifinal? Not really. But we were we were in the end zone there. I was. I guess you didn't make that trip. Yeah, right? I was called off because uh, of a rise in uh, one particular pandemic. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were in the corner there, and um, so we didn't have a great angle. Actually, I think – I'm trying to remember what – I feel like the fake uh, – or not the fake, the, the touchdown pass from McIntosh was all the way on the other side of the field. So, uh, okay. Yeah. There, there's always uh, – that's why you need the TV to, so you can see. But uh, in any event, I guess they say that uh, – or Josh Brooks said that uh, some of these problems with the uh, – Concourse and the concession stand backup is like decades old problems. Now, have you have you sat down there at games before? Do you know uh, how backed up that gets? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm th- just thinking about how tight of a squeeze it is through through you know parts of the north and the south side of the stadium where you know uh, they have it divided with like a handrail sort of deal, but it gets congested down through there, and the bathrooms are right there, and uh, you know, and yeah, there there are a lot of backups at the, especially during the hot summer. Uh, games, you know, early in the season where there's lines for 15, 20 minutes, you're missing a whole quarter in the game, basically. And uh, yeah, those do need to, to be improved, be updated and, and that type of stuff. So I, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing to me is just the tight squeeze. And, and in the Notre Dame game a couple years ago, I almost got called up in it coming back up from the field. You know, you couldn't hardly move or breathe. And uh, it was kind of a, I won't say a scary situation, but I mean, uh, it was like, 
you know, salmon trying to swim upstream or something because you you couldn't really you couldn't hardly move and it, it felt kind of like uh, you you weren't gonna get to your seat in time for the game. So if they can widen the concourse and all, I think that would be the uh, the best area to start with those improvements. All right, the uh, six court indoor uh, tennis court is uh that's you know moving along um that's that's next kind of on the hopper then you have uh, softball field improvements baseball field improvements uh you know, we've written about that you know and and there'll be more details coming out of the board meeting i'm sure tomorrow in uh, greensboro uh, over at reynolds plantation let's take a break now we're going to come back and talk to aaron murray uh about a lot of different things and he'll be on right now All right, joining us now to talk Georgia football and the world of name, image, and likeness is former Georgia quarterback Aaron Murray, who was named this week as co-CEO, along with former Bulldog running back Keith Marshall of the Players' Lounge that engages Georgia fans with current and former Bulldogs players. Aaron, you may have heard, was a pretty good quarterback at Georgia, holds the SEC passing yardage and career touchdown record still. Aaron, how are you? Good man, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's you wouldn't think at this part of the year we'd have much to talk about, but it is a wild time in college sports. Yes, it is. Let's let's start off with what exactly, just for the those out there that might not be immersed in in the world that you're now in, uh, kind of in layman's terms, what would you say the players' lounge does? How do you explain uh, what what that uh, initiative is? Yeah, so we are a Web 3.0 company. Uh, Essentially, we are using that technology um, to help our great players at Georgia engage with fans um, at at the University of Georgia. So whether that is on our Discord chat, which is into our message board, we have around 50 players uh, that are active throughout the week, chatting, hanging out with our fans, getting to know them. Obviously, we had a huge NFT uh, sale back in January. We were able to put in the pockets of our players uh, over $300,000. So it was a big NIL opportunity. Uh, we've done golf tournaments. Uh, we've done tailgates. Uh, we're playing some big events this fall. So it's just a really fun community of great fans that, like I said, that want to get a chance to get to know these players behind the, the, the mask uh, and get a little bit more. You know, and, and, and essentially, that's you know, we've created an avenue for that. You mentioned $300,000 put in the pocket of players. So if I'm a starting wide receiver or backup defense alignment at Georgia, what is Players Lounge? What might they be doing for me? How, how much am I going to be able to take advantage of the NIL opportunity uh, through through that? Yes, I mean, we're doing separate deals right now with individual players. So, you know, when we had our first launch, uh, we, we, we called our mascot launch. It's It's... It's to educate people what NFTs are, educate people what Web 3.0 is all about. Um, and once you build that community and educate them, you can then go in behind and start doing these smaller drops. So, you know, the plan is, as we get closer and closer to football season, uh, to start doing player cards with these players. Um, so you think of the traditional tops, panini, stuff like that. You know, we, we will be the digital version of it. So uh, looking forward to that, and that way we can get more players involved. Um, obviously, our players, those 45 to 50 players on the team that are on the Discord now, you know, they get paid X amount of money per month to be active. Um, and I think a lot of them look at it as, hey, yes, I'm getting paid to, to interact with these fans, but there's also a great, great way for me to network, to get to know fans, and maybe there's a deal that comes up by you know me getting 
Hey, real fast, I want to ask you, uh, put on your analysis of this uh, Jimbo Fisher-Nick Saban uh, brawl or whatever you want to call it, back and forth, he said, she said, and, uh, you know, what do you make of all that? And does Nick Saban really have much room to, to call out other coaches and whatnot? See, I, I don't disagree with Saban's message. I just wish he didn't call anyone out. I, I don't agree with that. I mean, there was no need to bring up Jimbo and A&M. I think he could have, the message could have been, I think, even more powerful had he not singled the one out because it, then it turned into a Jimbo versus you know, Nick Saban issue uh, instead of a bigger college football issue. Um, you know, is the system perfect? No. I think there's ways that, you know, it, it can be better. I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, I think Saban hit it. I think some of these collectives, the way they're run, is not well run. Uh, I think, you you know, the good ones are the ones where kids are actually doing something, where they're actually engaging in the community, um, when they're doing community service events, um, when essentially the collective is acting as a marketplace, where they are getting deals and then facilitating that, and help brokering the deals to the players. Not somewhere where they're just acting as a pack, where they're funneling all this money and then giving it to the players. I don't agree with that at all. That is not what NIL should be about. That's a lot a lot of what these collectors are doing, and I think that's what, what Nick Saban had issue with. Um, so I think if that's, an, if that's something that can change, which I don't know if you can at this point, I think it'd be better off for, for the entire college football. Aaron, how do you think NIL is, is changing roster management with, with current players and those that are being recruited maybe out of the transfer portal? Well, it, it's, a, it's a huge weapon, and you can't blame the kids. I mean, if I'm a kid and, you know, I got one or two years left to play and I know I can go make X amount of dollars more at this university and they have an opening at my position, I'm going to consider going there. Um, it, 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 it's, it's, you know... It is, it's sad because I feel like the loyalty aspect of college football is, is going away. You know, I say when I played, I feel like an old man here, but when I played, it's like Georgia's my team. I love Georgia. I'm committed to Georgia, especially if you're a starter, for goodness sakes. Like, Georgia's my school, man. I would never have thought to just pick up and leave the relationships I had with the coaching staff, the relationships I had with my buddies who I got to know in high school that I lived with. Uh, that I grinded with in, 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 in practice and workouts uh, to just pick up and leave was was never on my mind, and I don't think on anyone's mind. But there was also not hundreds of thousands of dollars and millions of dollars on the line if you did want to possibly leave and go somewhere else to play. So, you, like I said, you can't blame the players for wanting to leave. It's just, um, like I said, I, I have an issue a little bit with the whole loyalty aspect. You know, something when the whole NIL deal or, you know, ordeal came about and what it would lead to, what I was thinking was, you know, say a a player whose jersey, is a game-used jersey is on sale at the bookstore, they would get no money from. You know, when, when you were playing, that would have been the case. I mean, did you ever think about that, about how, you know, maybe a, a, a used jersey of mine or something might be at the bookstore and I'm not making any money off this or I can't sign an autograph with anybody or anything like that? Did that ever cross your mind when you were playing? Oh, yeah, we talked about it at the time. I remember, shoot, I took a visit to Florida. Um, this was my junior year, and, and, and we were sitting there watching practice, and we were actually talking with, I believe, Tebow's dad. And, and Tebow's dad brought that up about how many jerseys they sell a year um, with 15 on it, that Tim is not getting any of the money. And it's just like, wow. I mean, it's crazy the amount of money universities were making off 
you know, players' name, image, and likeness. And, and obviously the players are not able to read those rewards. So, yeah, we talked about it a lot, and we wish we had those opportunities to go out there and make money. And, and I'm with you a little bit. When this whole name, image, and likeness thing started, I thought it would be deals like that where, hey, man, I can go sell my jersey, make money. I can go get a deal with Mama's Boy or Last Resort or Ford Dealership and, you know, go get money or a car that way. Uh, like I said, my, my big issue is when some of these collectives have started and essentially they're, in my opinion, they're doing the wrong way. Like there are collectives that are doing it the right way. They're helping facilitate deals. They're helping educate players exactly what, you know, what their worth is in, in, in the market. Um, and I'm all for that. Like let's just make sure these kids are doing something and not just funneling money to them. Um, so I think that's kind of skewed my image of exactly what NIL has kind of turned into these last few months. Aaron, let's transition from NIL to, to Georgia football. Um, wanted to ask you about Stetson Bennett. We, we saw you guys, um, I guess, hugging after the, the championship game in Indianapolis. What's the relationship between the two of you, and, and how did you guys uh, get seemingly pretty close? Yeah, I mean, I, I try to reach out to all the quarterbacks at Georgia. You know, I, I was lucky enough where Shock and Greeny and Dyer and Buck and Stafford you know, would hit me up all the time, you know, off-season, in-season, before games, after games, wins, losses, and it was, it was really powerful. I mean, it's an incredible fraternity. So I made sure I kind of, you know, going forward, would, would find a way to get in contact with whatever the quarterbacks are to let them know that, hey, I'm here for you if you need anything. Um, so that's kind of how our relationship with Stetson started. And, uh, you know, he's a great kid, proud of him. Uh, obviously, that was a, a hell of a moment there at the national championship, um, and, and 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 just so happy for everything that he's been able to overcome. And man, it's so crazy. I was at a, a charity golf tournament the other day, and you know, I get a question from the guys I was playing with, like, "Hey, is Stetson going to be the quarterback next year?" And I get that question asked like weekly, and it just drives me crazy because, like, why the hell would he not be the starting quarterback? Like, he just won a national championship. He was MVP. He ball. I thought he played extremely well all of last year, and people are just like wanting him to go away. It's like just sit back and enjoy, man. The guy won a national championship the first time in eighty years, or not eighty, forty years. I know he's not a five star. I know you can make the excuse that this defense was elite, but if you go back and watch the film, Stetson played really well for the majority of the season. Uh, I would say eighty, ninety percent of the season. And you're talking about a kid that did not have the opportunity to really get the reps he needed in spring and fall camp with the starters. I mean, he was thrusted in that position, uh, you know, versus UAB and then kind of just ran with it. But I'm excited to see what he can do with, with now the, the opportunity to, to get the necessary work that you need as a starting quarterback getting ready for a season. Well, if you look at a uh, list uh, released by another outlet uh, recently, he's not even a top twenty quarterback in the country right now. I mean, talk about disrespect, right? Yeah, they have guys. They have guys who've never played before. They're going to put on there, and not a guy who was MVP. I mean, was he MVP of the um, the game down there, the Orange Bowl? I mean, he balled his yeah, he his was. little butt out. He kicked butt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, MVP of that, and MVP of the National Championship. But you have guys that you know have never played or played sparingly. Or, or getting the nod over him. And, and listen, I think he loves it, honestly. You know, the more I'm around him and the more I get to kind of see his personality, he's a guy that absolutely loves the haters, the doubt. He embraces it. It energizes him. Uh, he uses it as fuel 
side guaranteeing he is just eating all this up and, and ready to prove everyone wrong once again this season. Mark and I talked earlier about Arch Manning and his recruitment, and uh, don't want to get you in trouble, but is that a situation where you reach out and uh, try to try to recruit somebody like that toward uh, the University of Georgia? <laughs> well, I, I did ask, you know, so I was at practice back in spring, and I shot Brooks a text. I was like, hey, Brooks, I'm in the practice. I think Arch is going to be there with, you know, Cooper. Um, you know, am I allowed to talk to him? He said, yeah, if you're on campus, you're allowed to. So I talked to them. I talked to Coop a bunch. I know them going back from – you know, my time being a part of the Manning Academy, uh, they're a great family. And, um, you know, I talked to Cooper for a while. And, you know, obviously they love Georgia. They love Athens. They love Kirby. They love the the, 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 the powerhouse that has been built. Um, so, yeah, and I talked to Arch for a little bit, too. I mean, it's a great spot. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to it is hard to beat what Athens has to offer. I think the only difference between, you know, obviously Georgia and, and say, Alabama right now, if those are the two schools that are, are kind of the two front runners, is the fact that Alabama's just put out more quarterbacks into the NFL. You know, they've had more guys in the, in, in the past, you know, five, ten years that have gone on and been, you know, first-round draft picks or top draft picks, top ten, top 15 draft picks, and, and Georgia just has not had that. Uh, and they also have not had the top receivers get picked in the first round. And you look at what Alabama has produced at the receiving position as well. So I think that hurts Georgia a little bit. Um, but other than that, man, it, it's hard to it's hard to beat what Kirby's you know able to sell at the moment. Aaron, with Oklahoma and Texas uh, eventually joining the SEC in a few years, if not earlier, uh, divisions are, are probably going to be going away. I would think in the SEC uh, as a guy that won the SEC East in 2011 and 2012. What, what do you think of uh, no more division champs, no more division races? Oh, I love it, man. Get rid of the... I mean, it just... It sucks. I mean, I've talked to LSU fans and Alabama fans, and I was like, man, I never got to play... I never played Alabama in a regular season. You know, if we didn't play them in the SEC championship game, I would have gone four years. Actually, five, because we didn't play in my redshirt year. I would have gone five years without playing Alabama. Uh, we played LSU, you know, twice, once in the SEC championship game, but I never went to Baton Rouge. Um, it's just crazy. Like I want as a as a as a competitor, and I know as fans, you want to play everyone. You you want to go. I want to go play at A and M. I want to go play in Baton Rouge. I want to go play um, at Alabama. Like I don't want to have to play South Carolina, Vandy, Tennessee. Uh, in Missouri every single year. It just it doesn't it, – it's exciting. I love SEC, but getting the chance to play those other schools and getting the chance to play Oklahoma and Texas more often, to me as an, as a, as an athlete, as a competitor, uh, as now a fan, makes me you know, love college football a lot more, I'll tell you that. So I am all for any way that we can get rid of just the, the, the same old, same old and break this thing up and have a little bit more fun. All right, Aaron, we'll get you out of here on, on this one. Uh, you mentioned that Alabama game. Of course, I think it probably breaks your heart, breaks a lot of fans' heart uh, from, from 2012. But y'all were so close. You know, what did this uh, year's title kind of mean to you, uh, considering y'all did get so close when you were a player here? Well, I mean, I, I, I get to not talk about it as much, which is great. You know, <laughs> I every time we played Alabama – you know, the past, was that? that was back in 12. So, yeah, the past 10 years, you know, anytime Georgia played Alabama, my phone's blowing up all week. Why can't Georgia beat Bama? What's going on? This, that, and the other. Now, you know, at least when I get called, 
heading into a Georgia-Alabama game in the future, which I'm sure there's going to be a lot more, it's going to be, you know, what is this game turned into? What's the rivalry? I don't even know if you consider a rivalry or not. But um, so yeah, it, 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 it was a, a sense of relief for all of us who've come so close to kind of get it yanked away at the last second, whether it was, you know, in 18, obviously our game in 13. Um, so yeah, it feels good. And like I said, man, I'm just so happy for those guys to to be able to win a natty, to be able to do, beat Alabama and kind of, you know, kill two birds with one stone uh, kind of mentality. So, uh, yeah, it, it, less nightmares and less having to talk about it for me, which I'm all about. Aaron, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, like you said, uh, a little bit uh, off-season, but there's no off-season anymore for college football. So uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again, get you back on here uh, in the fall when we got some uh, matchups and uh, SEC championship uh, contending teams to talk about. But thanks for thanks for being with us. I uh, appreciate y'all having me. Go dogs. All right. We thank Aaron Murray for joining us. Uh, Ryan, before we wrap up, a couple things. Um, what did you think of that uh, Georgia baseball game yesterday in Hoover, Alabama? 10.30 a.m. start ends up, I think it was finished like 4.45 or something because they had right. a bunch of delays. Today there's more delays. they got to move that thing. Where's the, where's the driest place in SEC country that you could have that? I don't know. Is there an indoor stadium anywhere? That they, I mean, I, I think of Tampa, but you don't want to play You're talking about it. a retractable roof? Yeah, something. I think Tennessee, think? the way that they have that thing cranked up, they might build one like that. Oh, okay. Well, you know, that was the thing I saw on Twitter was like, uh, hey, you know, it's SEC uh, baseball time when, uh, when the uh, – you know, fifth and final game or whatever is ending at four in the morning, which uh, seems to be the case every single year. So, yeah, they need to do – I mean, to me, I don't get why Hoover. I mean, I guess it's a central location, but I feel like there's better fields. Maybe they could get a you know, Major League Baseball field somewhere to play the thing. I don't know if you heard this. The FCC office is in Birmingham. Oh, I know that. And also, uh, they you know, pretty much say, hey, we want improvements about this and that, and, and Hoover probably gives it to them. So that's probably why it's there. I mean, we'll, we'll see if they move it somewhere else. It's kind of like the uh, NFL Combine put uh, Indianapolis up for bid and or not Indianapolis put put the event up for bid and guess what they just awarded it again for two more years to Indianapolis because people are used to it they like it there well getting, uh, to, getting to the baseball team though uh, kind of going going downhill maybe losing early they'll get a little bit of a rest and uh, can get their pitching straight for the for the NCAA yeah tournament. I think Georgia maybe lost four their last four series of the season they yeah. got bounced like we said to Alabama yesterday day one um, some of the projections have them going to Georgia Southern um, with maybe Georgia Tech that it doesn't. I mean, we talk about the pitching. I mean, unless you can get Jonathan Cannon you know, out there, and I don't know. And he got he's starting to get hit around a little bit too. So yeah. doesn't bode well. But you know what? Maybe this will be the uh, surprise. I thing. hope that is the regional though. That'd be a cool. That'd be a cool thing. Battle for Georgia there. Yeah, Ryan will be down there. We'll get a report from him on that. Um, no, all right. No false uh, advertisement. Hey. Congrats to the Georgia women's golf team. One a program we don't really talk about much, and, and a program that kind of has been floundering, you know, before last year maybe, and um, they end up uh, going to making it all the way to match play, then going up against Stanford yesterday, number one seed, and they they Took lose it, yeah. three two. They they did a pretty good job, and so and I kind of forgot about this. I figured well they were the eighth seed. They lose, they'll be kind of fini- you know be the number eight team in the country. But no, it's a tie for fifth, so they can claim to be the fifth best team in the country. Much needed for Josh Brewer in that, in that uh, program. I'm, I'm glad to see that. 
Last thing before we go, uh, just to make mention that uh, Georgia softball lost. Uh, they lost their first game coming out and then ended up winning three straight to get to the finals against Duke and then uh, got run-ruled uh, after blowing an early lead. But, um, you know, that's a program that has been to, I think it's five uh, Super Regionals, uh, something like that. Uh, not Super Regionals, I'm sorry, Women's College World Series. Yeah. Didn't make it this year, uh, year one under Tony Baldwin. Uh, Tony Baldwin. So, uh, Ryan, I know that you uh, watched every inning of that regional. Yeah. I actually turned over in that first game and they were losing to Liberty. And I was like, oh, no, that's not that's not good. But, yeah, I guess uh, Duke was the uh, was it the kryptonite or whatever of Georgia Athletics this side uh, because I know the women's tennis team was bounced by uh, Duke because, you know what, there's a, there's a girl for Duke named Chloe Beck who is a local product, you know. And uh, she's the number one tennis player for Duke and uh, happened to beat the Bulldogs. Did not know that. Ryan is always on top of such uh, minutia of uh, Georgia <laughs> Athletics. Hey, everyone, we uh, will talk to you next. Uh, not sure if it's going to be next week uh, or it might be the, the week after. We'll see. But uh, thanks for listening, and we'll uh, see you next time. Have a good one.